Shadour Sanders, under pressure, bounces, takes his time, does it! Touchdown, Buffalo! Jinty, good cutback, lots of room, he's 40, like a rocket! Look at Jinty go, breaks a tackle, he's 20, he's 10, he's touchdown! 58 yards! Brooke, end zone, caught! Touchdown, Luther Burton the third, and Missouri strikes back! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Burning the Red Shirts. After a week off, uh, Andrew and myself, Chris K, are here to chat a little college fantasy football. It's kind of a slow period, and we kind of were talking to each other early uh, about this, but like the whole you know early signing day completely has zero impact and relevancy. Like it used to be like the big day, and now I don't think I saw about one tweet about it, but. Uh, Figured today we could chat a little bit about the early mocks, the one that I did, the one that Andrew's done, maybe touch on Jacksonville State's quarterback situation, maybe just get Texas State's quarterback situation out of the way. That's a typical early segment that we like to run through. I guess I'll, I'll leave the floor open to you, Andrew. What would you like to start with today? Uh, your boy, uh, Space Age Dragon, and myself were litigating the Jacksonville State quarterback uh, situation for us all at like 15 minutes this morning. So in, in addition to talking about it with you uh, yesterday, I've been dipping into those waters quite a bit. Um, I don't know what, what was the pace like in your uh, slow draft? Was it repre reprehensive or that's not the right word? Um, some Repulsive? Yeah. that, that yeah, it, was, I, it was pretty good. It, it took maybe four days max. Yeah. Like I'm, I've been putting my phone down very early at night, so I'm a guilty culprit of like being the guy who it, it the the dice lands on overnight. But like during the day, where everyone is supposed to be not doing work and instead drafting, right? Yep. There, our our pace is it leaves much to be desired. I offered like um, one one of our drafters. I offered him uh, some feedback some training on the art of uh like drafting while actively running a meeting or like because i mean we have lots of i have lots of experience in that the idea of like running it running a meeting where you're uh you're expected to kind of be doing running the show while booking bets while making draft picks it's it's an art not a science but and i think that a lot of people can learn from that well, um, let's maybe we start there then andrew why don't you give us kind of your three or four whatever big takeaways on how you have manipulated and mastered the system. Yeah. Well, first of all, we're, dra we're drafting offline, right? So people, su people such as yourself, Greg Brandt, Debbie Warehouse, uh, Kyle, right. Who are beholden to auto drafting You're kind of out of luck here, right? You can't just set it, set your queue and forget it. So we're talking about a different, a different way of drafting, but, if you are in a meeting, right, you're running a meeting and there's like, come on. The, we all know that just because you're in a meeting doesn't mean you're doing anything. Most of the time we're actually not. But if you're expected to be an active participant in that kind of running the show, I think you could still get away with making your draft picks in the moment. 
especially if you're working remotely. The calculus has changed to some degree if you're in if you're in person, but remotely, I would say the biggest piece of advice I would give is you need to understand that assuming your com your computer camera is set up appropriately, you're not giving this huge window into everything that you're doing, right? So you could be on your phone like I am right now, and no one. The only way that people have any ideas if your eyes, your eyesight is five to ten percent off from like the center of the screen, which isn't going to be enough to really, really get you in, in, into trouble. So, I like to have my phone screen next to my monitor. Like right now, I have it it's right here, right? And I, I've got the. I can have fan tracks up. I can have my sports books up. And but, but what it ultimately comes down to a lot of it is just being comfortable with the content that you're you're talking to for your day job or whatever, right? So if you're you're confident in that, you're you're relying more so on talk tracks than you are on scripted rehearsal, right? If you've uh, if you feel good about that, you're able to own that conversation. You can be dedicating a good amount of your mind to the more pressing matter of making your draft picks or booking your booking your bets, right? These more time sensitive uh, matters than just get kind of word vomiting in the middle of a meeting or whatever it is that you're doing. So I would say one of the, the, the main things again is like, don't be afraid to have your phone out next to your monitor and kind of utilizing it in conjunction with while you're talking to the people that aren't paying attention to your meeting, they can't see you. Like it, it feels weird, right? You think like, oh no, is someone gonna see me on my phone or whatever? Like here, that's not how computer cameras work, right? So you gotta be confident in that regard. And then from there, it's just a matter of kind of uh, multitasking. And again, I think the only way that you can truly get away with that as you would like to is if you are confident in the material of your day job, right? We're all like, we're all different parts in our career cycle. Maybe, maybe it's a little different if you're just starting a new gig, um, right? That um, And that makes things a little more interesting. But assuming that you've been kind of doing your thing in your day job or whatever uh, for a while, I think that you got to step up to the plate and be willing to uh, prioritize your draft picks over your, uh, your, your, your uh, day job meetings. So it sounds like you have to be confident in both the the meeting matter as well as your your list of picks that you need to go with, uh, and then also be tactical with where your phone placement is. One thing is too, right? The further away from the camera you are, the less you can spot where your eyes are, at least from a other side perspective. One thing I always do, and this is just people helping people, you know. One thing I'm when I'm on a call with a customer and I have somebody else helping me or just somebody else there, always reiterate the question that I have no idea about. So I'll be like, yeah, Andrew. So they were curious. What do you think about X? And did nobody's paying attention to these meetings, right? You're always kind of just on the side if you're not fully running it. So just help the other person out, give them That's a reiteration of the, of the question to give them an extra 10 seconds to get off of mute and then understand what the heck's going on. So thousand percent. Like when I, uh, when I transitioned out of like accounting and into tech, and was dropped into this world of basically, hey, we sold a deal, figure out how to make this customer successful, get in a room with them, just kind of talk to them. Like, it was a huge paradigm shift relative to just, oh, hide behind a screen and email the your, your client and pray that they don't blow you up or whatever. Um, but I had to build a lot of that 
interpersonal skill set from the ground up and kind of what you one of the things you just mentioned in terms of kind of tricks of the trade uh, in terms of buying yourself time i noticed like some people that were really good at this just they would they wouldn't like get repeating the question is beneficial to buy yourself some time while the the gears are turning but also like the the cadence with which you speak your sentences the idea of kind of slowing down what you're saying while your brain is moving at warp speed to try to figure out what you want to actually say like i've like one one dude that like i was like this dude is amazing in in this uh forum was like i want to steal that skill set exactly from him and like bring that into my uh into my toolbox but yeah all these things i think can give you the potential to keep your draft moving along right prioritize kind of what's important in that regard and um not light picks on fire like I did when I, I took Elijah Badger in the, the sixth round of uh, this mock that I'm doing right now. That was a panic pick, uh, kind of. Um, I knew that I was about to kind of get make some commuting, uh, do some uh, commuting type deal, some logistical uh, uh, stuff in the morning. I was like, shit, I don't want to hold up the draft room. So, I so think you don't I, like Elijah Badger in the sixth. He went end of sixth in our the first early yeah. mock. Admittedly, I'm using like that 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 first mock that you guys said I'm using as a crutch to some regard. Like I don't have anything that is at all representative of rankings right now or anything like that. Um, but like I I, I want, wanted to kind of see who was going in different places. Just but um, I like Elijah Badger, but I think ultimately he's going to end up going later as draft season progresses. Like he is a good example of. Like everything went wrong for him uh, last year in terms like he, he dealt with some injuries. The O-line on that team was a disaster. First year, new scheme, quarterback, uh, roulette. And he still had a bunch of really solid games, showcase the talent. Like he is the X receiver in that, that system. Like he's going to be the dude. Um, so I would like, I would, I think we've seen his floor. I'd be willing to bank on some ascension uh, this year. Like things just like, I don't think that we see a repeat in terms of the cacophony of uh, things that went wrong, but still six round feels rich. Like there, it, I are like, I took Trey Harris around later because I just straight up forgot he was there. I'm like that, like there, there's no competition. Like Trey Harris, Trey Harris is awesome. I want that. Too. So, but Trey Harris also has to compete with juice Wells and Baquan. And pre-scoring. How much Ole Miss did you watch this year? A little, but not probably not as much as you're about to say, because based yeah. on the confidence of the voice right there. And Trey, the, the Trey, Harris is just, Trey Harris just has that like alpha presence where he just like the ball is he is a magnet to the ball, I think. Um, and as the season progressed, like it, like he is the guy in that offense that from a passing game perspective that the only one that I would say, okay, week in, week out, he's going to get targets. And then he's going to have his ceiling, like crazy ceiling potential as well. It's like so many of his uh, targets are downfield one-on-one. He's just going to moss the other dude. Like there's very few players in CFB that in that, like those one-on-one downfield scenarios I want that I would even consider wanting over him. I think, Ultimately, two receivers are fine in Ole Miss's offense, and like I think that's only going to get better, and it might even be better passing because Quinshawn's gone. Yeah. Um, Badgers and Trey Harris went mid fourth in the one that we did, the first yeah. one. Um, 
Badger is interesting because, like you said, he, he seems talented. He, we seem like we see the floor. Like it can't possibly get worse, right? Like yeah. he only had three touchdowns on a hundred targets. Like that just doesn't feel like that's anywhere near replaceable or uh, something that can be repeated. So it feels like at the very least that's what we're getting. But I think ultimately your point of like, who else can I get afterwards? You know, that feels like kind of a, a settling of of a of a draft pick. But you know, the, some of the guys that were picked after that seem kind of interesting are like uh, like Kobe Hudson or CJ Daniels, Noah Smith, like Cole Wilson or Jaden Higgins. Those are all interesting options that probably have similar floors, but maybe have much higher upsides. Don't you think? Yeah, I like some of those guys uh, for sure. I feel I don't know what to think about Cole Wilson. Like, I just want Joey Hobart and log out kind of uh, from that offense. But admittedly, like you scout the stat line, and it's like, all right, this dude put up some really good games, especially when Hobart was out. But I don't know. We I need some. Like, we need a quarterback there first. You know, like. If it's Hatter, then we're in trouble. I don't think Hatter you, can support too. I assume you didn't listen to the podcast that the that Kev uh, Ciardella, the B writer, does uh, for Texas State. On he so he listed what he like. I don't think it was sourced really or anything, um, but the five QBs that he, he would consider like okay for Texas State, these are considerations to bring in as a transfer. Okay, um, so it's some tampering. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to guess any? You could probably get three. Uh, these are other. I mean, this is. Are they already in the portal, or just generally speaking? I actually don't even remember them all. I'll just, I'll <laughs> run I'll, I'll run off what I remember. So he mentioned Chandler Morris. Uh, the idea being that he's not signed because he can't. He's not. Yeah, he's not signed until the like, summer. Yeah, it's one of those things where he like he sent out the committee, uh, the commit tweet, but he's not signed, so like, still fair game. There's another guy also that is in the same boat, and I can't remember who it was that it was they, that he was like, oh, this guy isn't signed yet, so um, he he's interesting. And then he mentioned Jordan McLeod. That would be fun. Yeah, what's he doing? I mean, he's still in the portal, and he's, I mean. You know, I know he's not like any sort of NFL talent, but if you're if you were thinking like from a pure college football production standpoint, he had to have been one of the top options that was available. Like yeah. to me, he's a better college football quarterback than KJ Jefferson. Like maybe that's a hot take. I don't know, but like I give me McLeod over Jefferson and some of these other guys that are already committed. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and then the fifth guy he mentioned was Micah Bowens, who apparently still exists. Uh, but that feels like that's not going to move the needle if if uh, if it ended up being him. It's like, okay, whatever. Uh, there's, like, I, you'd be surprised if they turned the keys over to uh, uh, PJ Hatter, right? I mean, if it's Hatter, either Kenny has zero recruiting ability or he is insanely in love with Hatter. Yeah, I agree. But you know who is grabbing quarterbacks is Rich Rod. What did you and Space Age Dragon come up with? What did you decide? Uh, the big news, I guess, this week was that I think his name is Tyler Huff. Yeah. Transferred from Furman. And of 
Uh, of course, Rich Rod said he has all of the intangibles, uh, which is another way to say it, his college stats are not necessarily impressive, um, but he's played for what will be his fifth season in 2024. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not like we came to any real conclusions, but the idea is to try and figure out what Huff is being brought in for, right? Is he being brought into a sense of starting role or to be someone who could actually throw football in that QB room, which is like a valued asset in the sense that like, okay, you've got four quarterbacks, but we don't know anything about Smoot. Zion Turner can't throw. Um, Logan, as much as I love Logan's mother, is like his throwing could be better. Um, <laughs> your boy Ashton yeah. Fry is like not a Rich Rod quarterback. Like he can – that dude has legit arm talent. Did you watch him what that one game he played? Just a little bit. Yeah, that was he, one can, of those midweeks. Like, he can throw, but like that dude is not running the Rich Rod system, um, which isn't a total deal breaker, right? Like we've seen, uh, you know, what the best example is uh, not that the results were that pretty, uh, but we all, we have the th- we have a thing about how we classify quarterbacks as being or not being like a Gus Malzahn system QB, right? Remember your, your boy, uh, is it Sean White? Is that his name? Yeah, <laughs> Sean started, White from back in the day. Four yeah, years, had great arm talent, and it's like, this dude does not belong in that system. Um, that was the same deal with, uh, that's like, that's the same deal with Ashton Fry, or whatever his name is. Like, the dude has arm talent, but like, it's probably, he's, he's like square peg round hole type deal. Well, we discussed it, and ultimately like, there's no way all five of these guys still stay there. Like, yeah, none of them are really all that great, but you know, you can't just sit there and just be QB four or five. So what I, what I want to see is somebody move somewhere like an interesting, another smaller G five, like a New Mexico state type where you go, you can find playing time with Ashton Fry with some, some decent arm talent. There's gotta be somewhere like, just don't drop down to FCS quite yet. You know, give yourself another year. I agree. I would like to see him uh, wind up somewhere in the G5 that was like that wanted a little more of a uh, pocket passer and see what he could do. Oh, should we talk about our other favorite topic? Of course. Um, Jaden Delora. Yeah. Uh, for sake of legal purposes, he's not our favorite player. But, um, <laughs> favorite topic. Just to, It's a topic. Yes. Conversation. Yes. So I was thinking about it this morning. Like, does he just like come back into like Arizona's like meeting room? Like, hey, guy, like, j- like, uh, yeah. Costanza in Seinfeld? Like, oh, yeah, I was just kidding when I said I quit. You know, like, how does he play this? What ultimately happens to him? So I think he initially, I was like, all right, does he just go follow his boy, Jed Fish, to Washington? The, the only guy that will continue to cop for him and like, so, like love him at, at a human level. Um, but that doesn't, well, what about really- the, there's a second guy that loves him at a human level. The guy that left Texas state, which created the domino effect. Where did he go? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, so he went to San Jose state. Um, he, he's running the offense there. Yeah. They have Jay Butterfield who I didn't catch him at, in that game against Oregon state, like the game that he played, um, I guess it, what was it Sunday of week one, right? Um, San Jose or State, Oregon State. But like after Shevin struggled for fifty-two minutes, he comes in and kind of lights up, lights up in garbage time. Uh, 
So I wrote, I noted that down. I was like, that's interesting for 2024. Like, okay, this guy comes from Oregon. Now he's kind of ripping up um, Oregon State in garbage time. Like maybe that's interesting for dynasty purposes. So if I, maybe I'll make a note to try and go back and find uh, some YouTube videos of that game and see what he can actually do. But it's, so I just bring that up, that up from the perspective of he's not like Jaden wouldn't be walking into a non-competition there. Um, if you're Jaden at this point, beggars probably can't be choosers, uh, right? Anyone who will offer you a scholarship, like clearly, so clearly it, it's, he, that, is it Craig Stutzman? Him and like, when are we going to burn Ken Niamato Lolo's reputation to the ground? Like at this point, I'm, I think we can pretty clearly say he's a scumbag. Like he rubs elbows with Craig Stutzman, who is like boys with Rolo and who we love on a college football level, college fantasy football level. But like Craig Stutzman and Rolo, I don't think I'm slandering saying this. They both quit on their teams because they didn't want to get the the shot. Right. So like, I don't know, like that's, it's pretty reprehensible um, from a coaching perspective, in my opinion, just to quit on, quit on your players. Uh, so and then, like, and then Ken Niamatolo brings him on board at Navy to like uh, consult uh, with, uh, like, from a passing game perspective. And now he hires him as his OC. That and I think it's gonna be an awesome OC hire. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, you, if like that is a potential landing spot for JDL for sure. It, but when we think about how it nets out. For fantasy purposes, if he wins the job, let's go. But it's less than straightforward because I like I have some confidence in Butterfield, and I, I think Butterfield could, could be really good in that system too. Um, well, I'm I'm a little I'm a little cautious on Butterfield just because you know it's hard, right? He was at Oregon behind some big yeah. names, but he has like 20 career passes in three seasons. Yeah, I don't. It's possible, but uh, you know, if I'm Jane Delora, you can't have many options at this point. So, you got to think that that seems like the most intriguing one. If you're trying to just beat out Jay Butterfield and like, and you can't beat out Jay Butterfield, then you should just stop playing quarterback. Like, if, if you're Jaden, which of the so which of these three is the most appealing? That one, San Jose State, or here's the two that I came up with uh, when I was thinking about recently: New Mexico, go play with Bronco Mendenhall and compete against that kid who. Like Devin Dampier, we all love him for fantasy because he's fast. But like, can that dude throw football? I like. I I feel like I I saw him. I watched him the Boise game, and it felt like okay, he can run all over the place. But I, like, I haven't really seen him throw. Um, so that feels like a like I can't write Devin Dampier in ink at QB one. I don't think in New Mexico, and like that could be like who. Who would you give uh, Jaden a better chance to beat out, Devin Dampier or Jay Butterfield? I would say Butterfield. I think yeah. Only, I think well, maybe yeah, because I think uh, Rocco would be Bronco would be better off going like Dampier is only a true sophomore, so maybe yeah. there's a little bit of molding. And the one game he did throw for 200 on 26 passes, it was not that bad. But okay. yeah, I mean he's a runner. Um, but I don't know. I think I'd rather take a chance on a guy with like three guaranteed years versus Butterfield. I guess he has probably, he probably has considering his usage, he's got at least two years. So I don't know. I, I don't hate the idea 
you know, and Broncos certainly not tied to Dampier because he's new. Uh, but okay. what's the other option? So this is the clearest path, but it's also like I want to target UTEP players because they have they brought in this like awesome uh, head coach uh, that just going to run like 90 plays a minute or, or whatever. But like everyone is gone from a skill position and QB perspective. There's no one to target. Um, they haven't really brought in much that I can tell outside of some FCS transfers. I don't know. Do they even have a quarterback at this point? Like they had, they were down. I know they were down to QB four last year. I assume Gavin Hardison's gone. That dude, Cade McConnell, like is not even FCS uh, level. Right. And so that is, it would be interesting to me just cause like that offense is going to be like, they're, it's going to be all, check all the boxes we want. I think from like a system perspective, Skill talent's a disaster. Everything's a disaster, I think, roster wise. But if your criteria for Jaden are like, if you're Jaden, like, and your criteria are, I want to stay at the FBS level. I want minimal competition. I want to, I want to chuck the ball around. I check some boxes. Oh, and being in Texas with, so this is the other thing. This is why I, I bucketed at New, New Mexico and UTEP in when I was thinking about like, okay, what, where can this actually work? The problem with Texas State, I think, wasn't that they're like what he had the right idea, like transferring to t- somewhere in Texas where they're not going to, generally speaking, throw a temper tantrum about something like this. But the problem is the program was too successful too recently. They're not desperate enough as a fan base and as a program. UTEP and New Mexico are desperate. Like they're they they'll just see like, oh my god, goodness, we got this kid who was at Arizona and Washington State throw for ten thousand career yards. Like he could be our savior. He could help us win two or three games. Like that would be awesome. Like I think that the dyna- the political dynamics and the like the social and fan dynamics are right at a program like that, where the brushback, the pushback won't be as much as like at Texas State, where like Texas State, you're not talking about like the liberal capital of the United States or anything like that, right? But I think that the vocal minority was extremely vocal and felt imp- empowered to be by the fact that they had just come off their most successful season in recent mem- memory. And like they're not as they feel like they're trending up too, you know, like it's like they yeah. don't need to make that move. They, they took TJ Finley, like yeah, they took TJ Finley and made it happen. Like there's got to be somebody that could, you know, put them in the same spot. One team also in Texas, it's not a good fit. They're t- they're too good. They're not scummy enough would be the uh, ones? No. Uh UTSA. They came out and said that they're looking to add another quarterback. Yeah. Uh Nate had mentioned Owen McCown and his like kind of like dynasty quarterbacks to keep in mind and I thought he was much worse, but maybe I maybe that's his brother. I was thinking of. Did he has a brother? That, was he the Colorado quarterback? So he is the quarter, Colorado quarterback. He is Josh McCown's kid. Um, I thought he was awful too, but he looked pretty good the one game he played last year, right? So he played a few games, right? He, he mopped up garbage time against Tennessee. He got in another game or two, and then he he lit up the bowl game after uh, like with the whole Frank Harris uh, back and forth all day Saga. long. Like, yeah. it, cost me, it cost me a bunch of money when I was slamming receiver unders. So thanks, bro. But I thought he sucked. Um, and then, like, he went out and had had a good game that it seems like is going to, at minimum, like, put him in position to try and win the job. Um, rip to Eddie Lee. 
I guess it like we'll take our I'll take my L. We can this. drop him. We can finally yeah. drop him in a, our final or dynasty league. Um, okay, so let's uh, no. let's shift shift a little bit here to the early mock type stuff. Um, I'm going to give you a player I think was interestingly too high. You tell me if it's accurate, and then uh, grab somebody from your early mock and tell me the a similar too high or too low. Xavier Restrepo was picked the 23rd pick, end of second round. That feels too yeah. high, right? Like, I know he's going to have better quarterback play, which is great. Cam Ward has, you know, put together good enough resume. Plus, uh, has gotten a guy, a couple guys, good numbers last year. Restrepo had some good numbers last year with some really bad quarterback play, but like, end of second just feels high. He was the 10th, 11th receiver taken. Ahead of Hobart. So is that too high, you think? Yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, is there a C2C component to this, this draft, perhaps? Uh, it was Austin Nace, but Nace, to me, doesn't subscribe to the... He took you know, Joey, too, right? He did, yeah. He followed it up with Joey. Yeah. The thing with the, yeah. the C2C family likes to... Um, perfect example. Like, they're going to draft Austin Mack and redrafts this year because they think Jalen Milrow is not going to beat him out in, like... Right. That like the whole like shiny new toy is the C2C thing rather than the Restrepo and uh, Cam Ward kind of too high thing. Yeah, I don't understand the Restrepo pick. I know he had some like there, it felt like there was a lot of vacillation in terms of at Miami, which of three receivers is going to pop off a given week. Um, and I've already kind of discarded from memory, like who is the priority one and stuff like, like that uh, relative to who's the quarterback. Cause I feel like there was a lot of that going on. Um, I don't know. I don't really get, is Kobe young still there? Jacoby George. Some of them transferred. One out, of them right? left. One of them left. One of them still there. I, yeah. I, I don't. Do you think that there's some projection there based on like, okay, Cam Ward, hyper-targeted LinkedIn Victor at Washington State. He was in the slot. Can we just assume the same at Miami? Like, which I, I like, that seems like, I don't want to just, I don't want to put that assumption on, like, on Austin or whoever made the pick. But, like, that, like, that seems, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you get there. How you get to round two with Strepa. That is, it's, you know, the thing is, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of defend it a little bit. Looking at the names taken after him, it is a little interesting. Like, I'm not sure there's names that jump out besides Hobart as, like, obvious, like, guys that I want instead. Like, the next couple guys were Eugene Wilson, uh, Ashlock, Will Pauling, uh, Alec Ayomenor, Rock Taylor, Trey Harris, like, some of those guys are more appealing than Restrepo, but like I don't know if they're like that much more appealing. So I'm not going to hate on the pick. It just feels high. We'll see what happens. I mean, some of these receivers are going to get boosted real high. I think the top group is is set in stone. What's a what's a name from yours that is interesting? Ooh, um, I've been primarily just fo- so I'm al- I'm already kind of regretting it um, the more I think about it. But I took. Gavin saw Chuck at pick 56. And initially I was like, I would take that dude way higher. Um, the more I think about it, like the concatenation of factors that 
contributed to how awesome his second half were. The idea that so many of them are going to occur again in 2024 feels like a lot to hope for. Like he was, he was so awesome. Uh, the back half of the year, like it was awesome. It was so great betting his, uh, like his Russian crop in the seventies, eighties, nineties, like a rare, like, okay, I see that bet that over type deal. Um, and you just know like 20, 20 plus carries are coming and it's going to happen. Uh, type. But like the idea of him just controlling uh, that backfield uh, this year in 2024, I don't know. It, se- it seems like a lot to hope, to hope for. They did a lot of, whether it was injury-based or what, you know, they did some rotating that is a little scary. He went 57th in our draft. And um, I don't know if, if you're not subscribing to him that early, you're either going not at, you're going somewhere like a different position or you're taking like Ontario Brown or Abu Sama or like Singleton or something, which compared to the running backs, they feel that feels certainly fine. Maybe even a little low, but uh, like you could probably pick them higher potentially. So my, uh, my plan that was like, what was that? The end of the fifth round, like it was like a pick 5.8 and then, or whatever the eighth pick of the fifth round and fourth pick of the sixth round. My plan was to go, saw Chuck and Sama and Mox took Sama in between. And I was like, fuck, I should have just like, I want Sama more than saw Chuck. Like, I think it's, I think he, I think he's inevitable. Sama. I think it's going to happen. And whereas I feel in hindsight, more hesitant about saw Chuck. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're they're little, almost seem a little risky for different reasons. Sama seems to have it in the bag in terms of RB one. It's just a matter of like, is he good and consistent? <laughs> Sawchuk's. I mean, if you reversed him, right? Sawchuk and Iowa State's offense would be a no brainer. Um, I I think I would take Sawchuk over Sama, but yeah, I don't know how much I'm going to have Sama to be honest. Like those flash in the pan. Like his best game was the snow game. Like. I don't know. He had some, he killed me in the bowl game. Like, I don't know. I just, that might bite me, but I might find myself just taking quarterbacks and receivers in that range and let other people. Him and, uh, him and Penny Boone, I had like 35 yards of CLV on props for their bowl games or no Penny Boone for the conference championship. And then Sama for the bowl game, like the opening lines were horrendous and neither of them came close. (laughs) Yeah, it's just funny how that works. Yeah. Because I was all over Penny Boone in the conference championship too. And then he just like yeah. did absolutely nothing. But yeah. um, I thought the, you know, these are always tough. Cause like you, mine was nine rounds. Like, what are you actually, you get like rankings of the positions, but you don't get like accurate ADP. Um, but I thought the, the list of uh, quarterbacks was super interesting. KJ Jefferson was like the, See sixth or seventh quarterback taken. Do you think he's like a sixth or seventh type quarterback? It's easy to craft the argument, right? Uh, he's just gonna he's gonna run it 180 times or whatever in Gus's system. The uh, how impacted is your perception of him based on the disastrous 2023? I think you just throw it out personally. Uh, it's probably it's probably too impactful. It probably seeps into the brain a little bit. What I'll say is, and I learned this the hard way last year with JJ, 
saying that someone should be like in this range or like should easily be in this kind of like top 10 because XYZ is tough because like look at who the top quarterbacks were last year. You know, like you could compare like, all right, like, well, you know, he was quarterback 15 last year and, you know, this guy's gone, this guy's gone. But like last year, no one talked about Haynes King or Castellanos or Garrett Green as like guys that would seep into the top 20 or whatever. And they blew it out of the water, essentially. So that's why I'm concerned about like putting a KJ Jefferson, like great system. He's big, but like, I don't know, like I'd rather take a guy that's more proven than project out especially with like where RJ Harvey's being drafted, which is insanely high in my opinion. My version of RJ Harvey is Taj Brooks. Like I'm not doing that. You're not doing Taj Brooks. You're not. No, oh, you're not doing Taj Brooks. Yeah. I would much rather have Taj Brooks. I think. He uh, like everything was dreamed up. Like if you could write a script for how his season goes, would you have changed one thing? And yeah, like that feels unlikely to very unlikely to come close to happening again in 2024, in my opinion. Like the quarterback play will be better. Um, Won't like, or will be better? Will, will be better. Of course. Right, I think that, say, it's got to be, right? So, yeah. Yeah, they'll skew more pass heavy. Um, I like, I just, I don't think that that script is very likely to play out again in 2024. And, you're like, so, what are we talking round early round two? He went like second half of round two in mine, but RJ Harvey went ninth overall in mine as well. Like, yeah, that's, that's so good. here's the thing, right? You know, Tosh Brooks to me is like what RJ Harvey wants to be, right? Like, the problem with Harvey to me is if you're going to go that high, is that you have a big quarterback that can vulture, right? Mm-hmm. KJ Jefferson. Um, he's a, not small, but he's not a bigger guy. And, He's good in the passing game, but like Taj Brooks is also great in the passing game. He has no quarterback that's going to vulture him. He had 1,510 touchdowns with a pretty bad offense. Now they're going to be better. The only way Taj Brooks doesn't outperform Harvey is if for some reason he goes from 27 carries a game to 20 or 18. I just don't see that. Harvey's not going to see more carries than Brooks, right? I'm, I feel like we could see Brooks getting 16 to 18 carries. Like I, I can't imagine when they're dreaming up game plans on the outset of the season that they want to throw 20 plus carries a game at Brooks. I mean, they did it already. Why wouldn't they do it again? I just, I think that that was just a result of circumstances and like how personnel was shaping up. Uh, as the season progressed, and was like, this is what we need to do to be successful in this in this moment with all the realities that are at play presently. So the the debate then is, do you think Texas Tech has to rely on him again as much? I mean, yeah. they would they go like, let's see, four, like they won a bowl game in like seven total games with him getting heavy usage. They lost two games, which he got basically 10 carries a game. So you think Texas Tech will be better elsewhere, and that's exactly. why they won't use. So who's playing receiver? They they hit, lost like every receiver, right? Except for uh, the white guy, um, Cody Boyd. Koi Egan. I'm Koi Egan. Dude, I, why I'm did excited. I say Cody Boyd? No, no, I'm excited for him this year, though. Like him and Morton have that mind meld. That could be that could be fun. I think. 
I like Eakin, but I can't imagine that he'll be that much of an asset, like super high by any means. Yeah, they brought in other receivers too. They brought in a bunch of transfers, right? They brought in, did they get Josh Kelly? I think they did, but <laughs> it makes you wonder, like, what is Kitley? Do? It's Kitley, right? Like, yeah. he has a horrible track record of bringing in receivers at Texas Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe his I, receiver I, decisions have been real bad. Like, moving Xavier White to receiver what wasn't beneficial. Like, their best receiver was Eakin, albeit he got hurt early. And that's why it delayed some things. But, like, you could, argue that like Jordan Brown was better than a lot of those guys and he didn't get playing time until the end either. Definitely. Admittedly, perhaps I'm still just too much of a Kitley fanboy and not uh, kind of adjusting my view to what the circumstances actually are. So just trying to find more ways to lose money uh, via Zach Kitley. Trying to get Soon I'll be in the in the red from all the the, zap, the money he made me with Zappy, but we're not, I don't think we're quite there yet. Okay, kind of staying along the same lines. Is Dalvin Smith the the guy to, to go after in a Western Kentucky? And that's at receiver, right? He's not going to maintain tight end eligibility, is he? I don't think you can definitively like come to a conclusion on what's going to happen with eligibility. Um, in terms of fan tracks, because we don't understand, or at least I don't understand exactly what factors into that. Like that we get general guidelines in terms of like being a uh, result of what they're listed at on their player pages. But my guess is that is more related to adding positional eligibility and not removing it, just based on what we've seen. Like, I don't think they're wiping out all their metadata about the players are bringing it back every night, um, right. To kind of create a, a fresh replica of the player's eligibility. I think they're adding on, um, via, via automated processes. And then what we see a lot of times in terms of position eligibility being removed, it's a result of fancy players playing God and moving away from the, what they are in terms of just being players and going and to the game operators and, inserting themselves into the, the operator um, context and being like, hey, Fantrax, this guy isn't a, um, a tight end. Can you remove his eligibility? And that is, I think, the cause of a lot of the eligibility updates that we see, um, which, like, I'm not a fan of that. I think that, like, if you're a, if you're a player, it's one thing to do it in the construct of your league, right, and, like, appeal to a commissioner, but, like, to appeal to the operator and have them do that site-wide, I don't think that that is, like, in the spirit of the game and it should be part of the equation of the game that we play. Um, is that kind of like is that kind of like Kirk Herbstreit telling Dylan Rayola to go to Nebraska? Yeah, what the fuck is that shit? I mean, <laughs> so like, posted. We'll, go ahead, go ahead. We'll be fine. Like, we as Georgia, like, it's whatever. But, like, it's still, like, a ridiculous <laughs> bit, bit of news, right? Do you find that... It's not illegal. Do you find that ethically wrong for Kirk Herbstreet to do that? A man in his power in CFB with the, the type of power he has, is it wrong for him to influence a player's decision to go to one school versus another? I I, I can't say I really care, but like he, I, I used to have such a he like I had such a sterling he, in my opinion, had like such a sterling reputation. And like I like, looked at this dude and I was like, this, this guy's awesome. He's like 
representative like so much that is that I enjoy about college football. And I feel like every year that goes by, he does more to degrade his image and just uh, like I, I find myself disliking him more and more uh, with every passing season. Um, I mean, I don't know that like in terms of ethics or like what he should and shouldn't be doing. So someone said that he's, he's like still pissed off because he, they're, they're like when he was playing Georgia, like he played Georgia in a bowl game and he went like for three of 20 with like five interceptions or something. Um, and he's still like pissed off at that. Um, which you can see it. People hold grudges. Uh, believable. But, That's believable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he should. It's not that big of a deal. No, but he shouldn't. Unless you have some, what are you doing calling up Dylan Raiola and like, <laughs> like, don't you have better things to do? Like this man is making somebody was like, somebody's got to take Kirk's phone away. Like he went into this like Twitter rampage the other day about Florida yeah. state. It's like, dude, come on. Like just take the L or just shut up. Like just stop. Like it's not a good look. Even if you are right. Like even if you make great valid points, like you're coming off really weird when Kirk no, Humphrey's yeah. like one of the best in college football in terms of announcing and like the whole the whole shtick of it all right so it is interesting to see him just fly off the handle here yeah I think I mean I think it kind of all traces back to him taking on the NFL role with Amazon like the way he's channeling his burnout is by turning into a message board poster um, that has the access that message board posters actually want to have and doing the things that with that access that they would do. Um, it's not healthy. Man needs to see a therapist, right? But um, I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. Yeah, I was I was a little shocked by that. But um, if you the... know what, so if you, um, your draft, your initial mock only went nine rounds. Yeah. Is, there, is there a player that if the draft kept going, you were like, fuck, I really want this, wish this went long enough. I, I really want to take this guy, but like it just, the circumstances didn't allow for it. I think there's two answers to that question. Yes, yeah. but also no, because no, I don't want, like, I purposely didn't take Kyron drones because I was just figuring, I don't, there's no need for other people to know that I really like Kyron drones. Like right. to me, he is a, like, I will have him in every draft. I just will. I'm first of all, he's a hokey. And then second of all, I mean, his if you look at his numbers last year, once he started playing, like he was incredible. So you have me at like that's the easiest decision I have have to make, period. Um was there somebody was there somebody else missing from my draft at least? Because yours is still going that you had similar thoughts of like, oh, this guy should have been taken one hundred percent. Yeah, so this was correct. And part of the reality with your draft is the roster requirements were very harsh, right? So right. that dictates things in a lot of ways in terms – like some guys got pushed up. Other guys at other positions I think got pushed down as a result. Like we would have seen – I think we would have seen quarterbacks just go very differently um, if there were if the, if it was a regular like 20-plus round. Like they would have gone later? Some would have gone later. Some I think would have gone earlier. Um, just like you, what was the – like people only drafted two quarterbacks in your draft, right? Yeah, two quarterbacks and three went in the first round, one went in the third round, one in the fourth, one in the fifth, and then it was like six and seven and two and three. Just if but you're right, you know, like I said earlier, it's really a matter of like how we think of quarterbacks or other yeah. positions, like 
QB1 versus two versus three rather than actual ADP. So um, the, the one that I scanned your draft for like 10 times and I was like, oh, he, he's not taken. Um, and this was corrected in the draft I'm doing now where he went in the sixth round is like Jalen Rayner didn't go. Yeah. Like I, that, I knew you were going to say that. How did you know? Because uh, I think it was so obvious. Nate brought yeah. it up in our Slack and was like, wait, what? And you know, <laughs> well, I'd rather Nate, Nate, I, is, Nate is the OG truther for uh, is, yeah. I almost need Rainer to just be absolutely awful, like in the bowl game, basically. Uh, because I can't, I can't do a year of Nate calling Rainer, <laughs> just can't. Yeah, they, I wonder where he goes, like what his ADP looks like as draft season progresses, because. On one hand, like you could argue this dude should be going top three rounds. On the other hand, you look at his game logs. He had the back-to-back 40 burgers and then like didn't crest like 30 the rest of the way pretty much. Uh, and the rushing, like we know he can run, right? We know he can throw too. You watch the, like any of his highlights, it's like, all right, this guy can do it all. But he was a true freshman, right? Last yeah. year. Like, mm-hmm. can't, I don't think you can judge the practical output too much we see the tools and it's not like the kind of tools where it's like that is raw unfiltered plutonium and it's going to take time to refine that like that's not this at all like the dude it looks confident and in control right so it's um i don't think we're talking about like much in the way of adjustment period i think it's more so just like all right let's unleash him in year two let's build this the is the same around. play calling and slang, same oc and stuff because I was unimpressed with everything about that bowl game. Like no part of that bowl game was like, you have Jalen Rayner with extra time of practice end of the first season and you're not unleashing him at all. It just felt, I just was extremely irate the entire time knowing that I had so much Rayner and everybody else had so little. Did it? I, that day was a crazy up and down day for me. Uh, from a betting and DFS perspective. Like DFS didn't amount to much. I can't remember. I feel like I played some DFS and I had him in all my lineups and like didn't work out, obviously. Surprising that he wasn't highly owned. Like the fish should have had to pay for that one. Uh, but yeah. Say love V. Um so I think to I think ultimately Rainer is a fun best ball quarterback at where he's going to be taken. His redraft, in my opinion, should be a couple of rounds later than his best ball ADP. And I, there's going to be a point where it's not worth because like you're banking on better play calling and them unleashing him, but I'm not sold 100% on it. And if you look at his game log, like if you take away the first three games of the season, you take away uh, 12 of his 22 touchdowns. Like I, there's some, you know, I think ultimately he'll be he'll be really good, but like I think his ADP is going to get way too expensive for what we've seen and what we could project. It's not like he's with Kenny or Kitley or one of these fun potential, or you know, he's not a Washington with what's his name Fish. Like I think there's some reason for caution at the at a certain ADP. That's fair. System play caller concern uh, sometimes not taken seriously enough like KJ Jefferson last year there's no business no reason for that uh for him to like in hindsight right like what a disaster from a system perspective um I don't know much about 
like all I know is Butch Jones is the head coach. Like I don't know what we're talking about in terms of uh, like projecting system on him. And, like if that, if that, if based on history, the system isn't something that we should necessarily be concerned about. But yeah, it's a like you can. We've seen how good good CFF skill in a system that's trash. Like how many times do we need to see it, right? Brandon Armstrong in that garbage uh, Tony Elliott scheme or whatever uh, in 2022, KJ Jefferson this past year. So, I'll, I'll need to be more educated on, I need someone, you know, Nate is surely going to hear this and yeah. blow up and hit me up in Slack and tell me how Butch Jones is an incredible OC type play, but I need to know more about it. Cause I'm basing this off of very limited you know, action, the bowl game and some bits and pieces. Um, but let's do this really quickly here before you wrap up. I'm going to give you quarterbacks. You tell me which ones you would take uh, Jalen Rayner over. You ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nico from Tennessee. I'm not going to say his last name. Nico. No, I want Nico. Shador Sanders. Oh, Shador is an easy fade for me. Sure. Seth Hennigan. Dude, apparently amazing last year. Uh, who knew? I didn't know. But uh, it was it was sneaky at the end yeah. of the year. Just like, oh shit, you're right. He did put together a just a consistently a ton of good games. I would take Rainer. Riley Leonard. Rainer. I would take Rainer there too, by the way. Yeah. Noah Fafita. That's a tough one. I'd take Rainer. Um give me the rush upside. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um Avery Johnson. See, Avery. That's this is a really interesting one. Yeah. Avery Johnson. That's I think a conversation for another day because that's, he um, could blow up. Yeah. Uh, but he need I mean, he looks so fun in that bowl game, but like I am a little concerned about how much he can replicate that with like size and usage yeah. and consistency. Those two I think are like perfect. They're the G five and P five version of each other. Um Avery, like I've seen enough, I think, him throwing where like we're not talking about like a death to the passing game scenario with his arm. I think that like he's got enough arm talent and obviously the rushing's insane. But like similar, like I don't know what I I don't know anything about the new OC and scheme, but like are, is there scheme concern there? I, I I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I can't be, you know, I think the Kansas is it Kleinman, the Kansas State head coach, is a smart enough guy to know that if Avery Johnson's his quarterback, he's not gonna square peg round hole him like other coaches would. Um all right, Jackson Arnold. Mm, tough. I think Arnold. Like Man, he looked, I don't know what it was in that bowl game, but like both Fafita and Arnold looked like they had absolute cannons and like everything was super sharp. I don't know if it was just because they both have it like that, but like they both looked extremely impressive from a skill set standpoint. And he's got Seth, Seth Luttrell calling plays uh, now. Like they're just gonna. I think they're gonna. That's another thing, like for Sawcheck, right? They're gonna, like they're gonna build the offense around Arnold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. That that's a really good uh, connection there. What about Jalen Daniels? We'll go a couple more. Jalen Daniels. At this point in time, I would have to go Rainer. Like I, I am, too. I'm interested in the idea of of capitalizing on 
hesitancy surrounding Jalen Daniels. Um, that c- comes with good reason from the past couple of years with injury and just sketchy stuff going on with him. Like, depending on when he's going in drafts, like, he's got top three overall QB upside. But a lot can go wrong, right? So if the price is right, so much. like just pick one or the other today. I have to take Rainer. I think. I think so too, and I also think that like Rainer, he probably has close to top three quarterback upside too. If Jalen Daniels does too, you know. But like the hesitancy, uh, hesitancy is probably in some different areas. What about DJU? I don't want him. So Jared made a comment the other day that uh, what's his name Norvell made. Not Novell, uh, the guy at Florida State. I, why, why am I saying Novell? Who's the head coach at Florida State? Norvell. Oh, okay. Well, I was thinking for some, <laughs> never mind. I am scattered. Norvell, he said that Norvell made Jordan Travis who he was. Do you think Jordan Travis just improved from being awful or like it was, or do you think it was actually Norvell? I give Norvell a lot of credit. I remember like we caught glimpses of, Travis throughout his career and like you always saw it like the legs it was like no question right it was um, always legs were fine it was like like what the hell is he actually doing I think with you have right to give arm? him a ton of de- ton of development credit though from an arm talent perspective and putting him in positions to like crafting a system around him to be successful I d- so I, I do think Norvell gets a lot of credit for that do you think that that type of development and improvement can be seen by DJU in one season versus Travis in three seasons though. So I think we, I think we saw DJU just get put in a very positive situation, like where Jonathan Smith put him in positions to be successful. And I think like that, like what we saw from last year is okay. You get DJU in a good place, kind of mentally. You put him in positions to be successful. You don't ask him to do too much. Like this is, twenty twenty three was the outcome that like you can hope for with him. But okay, maybe they score more points at Florida State because Florida State's just gonna have better talent. I don't think he's gonna improve any more than he is than he than he would have naturally. Yeah. Okay, uh, Joey Aguilar. I listened to the the mocks and uh, Jared Pod, and they talked about him a little bit at the end. I think. Yeah. First of all, I would take Rainer over him. Second of all, he strikes me as the kind of guy that, like we saw, like his end of season numbers, like and the hype that we can craft surrounding him going into twenty twenty four comes at least partially, possibly largely from the fact that like he played it, he played and started all every game, but one didn't get hurt. The offense skewed uh, passing. I think at least partially because they like when Nate Noel went down, like it was like, all right, what the effort are we going to do here? Um, I think that like he's, you're, it's not like you're paying the price of where he finished last season. Right. But I also think that when you're drafting QBs, you want to draft for guys that have like a higher finishing ceiling at a, from a points per game perspective. Yeah. My, you know, I will, this is one of the things that I like about listening to like Jared stuff and some of the other guys out there stuff is that like, uh, I get kind of challenged where I'm like, I didn't like Joey Aguilar. I didn't think he was all that great. 
because of X, Y, Z. And then I looked into it deeper more when after Jared's conversation with, uh, I forget who it was. Um, and it was, oh, it was Mox. And it was like, oh, shoot, you know what? Like he did run more than I thought he did. And he did throw more than he did. The problem here, I think, is kind of what you're you're alluding to a little bit here is App State, like 470 passing attempts. That's like very atypical App State. Last year, or two years ago, it was like 370. The year before that, 413. Uh, 2020, that's a tough, you can't really do that. But uh, so it just feels like they're not going to throw it as much, but we'll see. I mean, maybe they don't like the running back room a ton. Um and, and maybe they pa- continue to pass a little bit just because Aguilar's proven to be pretty solid. Two more. We got a, maybe the two most uh, polarizing ones. Jalen Milrow. I would go Milrow. I would too. I would too, obviously. Uh, last one, Chandler Morris. You were waiting for this one, I'm sure. Chandler Ooh. Morris or Rainer? Chandler. It seems like everything's falling in place for the third year in a row. Third time's a charm. All right, what about Rayner at North Texas, Morris at Texas? Well, Rayner at North Texas and Chandler Morris decides to quit football to, to go on a mission. So it's Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think that's a, a good stopping point. This early season stuff is interesting because mm-hmm. there's just not a ton of movement right now and We'll see what happens with maybe Boston College fallout. Maybe there's some changes once the head coach is just. Oh, Castellanos was another of the five guys that they were like, "Hey, why doesn't he go to Texas State?" I don't. I mean, realistically, does that make any sense for Castellanos to go to Texas State? Like, I said something, but but like, come on, that's not all that realistic. the, The the evidence was he was between BC and Texas State when he was and on apparently on like. Twitter or Instagram, he referred like th- last week. He referred to Kenny as a father figure or something. He uh, so he actually Kenny too was uh I think he was the quarterback coach at UCF when Castellanos was there. So, yeah, but so that as like, well like to, to include on that yeah. right. No, it's a great call. So that's all the evidence. But the reality is Castellanos, if he transfers, he's going to like SEC he's not or, going down. Yeah, he's, yeah. You know, Max made a, the perfect one. Which Auburn? Uh, of, of course I stole on Twitter. Uh, it was Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. Does yeah. Auburn do it real quick? Does Auburn continue with Peyton Thorne and my wife be extremely <laughs> pissed, or do you think no. they grab somebody? Yeah, they grab someone. He would play that where he's like, I'm all in on Peyton Thorne right. until the spring, and then I'm all out on Peyton Thorne. All right. Well, hope everybody enjoyed it. We'll continue to talk off-season random t- topics and conspiracies and conversations about legal issues and uh we'll catch you next time guys